Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. My name's Stephen, for those who don't know me, and it's great to have people join us online today. Again, my name's Stephen, lovely to have you here, and thank you for taking time to be with us. There's something about in-person that's just good, and I'm just throwing it out there because I want to highlight some of the benefits. There's something about when I pray, it's so good to look around a room and see that other people are saying amen to my prayers, that I am surrounded by a witness that's cheering on what God's doing in my world. That is so much part of community. We're on a bit of a series of talks. Um, We haven't really branded this. We are just coming back to the truths of Jesus Christ, his ways, hoping that his words will become our way, really, that uh, what he taught, what he teaches, what he stands for, who he is will impact our worlds. Uh, And that's really what it's about. If you're trying to figure out what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's following Jesus Christ. It's not just, well, he turns left, we turn left, but it's mirroring the very essence of his character through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're looking at Zacchaeus today because, well, that's the one. Everybody knows the story of Zacchaeus. You can all switch off now because you've heard everything you ever need to hear about Zacchaeus. That's how it works, isn't it? Um, anybody not heard of Zacchaeus? Okay, there's a couple here. That's good. So you're going to hear all this for a fresh. That is so good. Okay, so Zacchaeus, I want to make this statement. Um, Some people have massive heads. There we go. It's an observation. It's not a criticism. I love your beautiful large head, but some people just have one. And never is it so noticeable than when you are wanting to see have you ever been to an event? You know, you've paid for the ticket, you're excited, you've got dressed up, you've gone out for a meal, you're there with friends, you're in a line, remember all that stuff, and, and, and you get into the venue and the lights come up, and in front of you, everything of your expectations is eclipsed by the large cranium of someone's head. Yeah, yeah? You've been there. Well, it's not the first time this has happened because Well, Zacchaeus, that's a big part of his story. He wanted to see, but he couldn't see. And so we read this story, Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10. You pick it up really clear, really simple. It's very illustrative, and for such a short story, you get a whole lot about this guy, Zacchaeus. So Jesus entered into Jericho, we read, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, not just an ordinary tax collector, but a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was. So he had all of that, but still he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because, of, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And sometimes an obstacle preventing us to get to God can actually become an opportunity. And that's what we read about this story. So he ran ahead. He climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, because Jesus always knows what he's doing, always knows where he's going, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That's the opportunity. 
So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, no, he was going to be the guest of a sinner. Uh, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, right now, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back four times to their account. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what that which was lost. And, and we think of that in the, the parables of the lost coin, lost son, lost sheep. So it's that sense of lost. Sometimes the crowd gets in the way, doesn't it? So that's, that's the, the obvious thing when you read this story. Sometimes the crowd gets in in the way between you and the savior of the world. But it's more than that, bring it down to a personal level. Sometimes the crowd gets in the way of you and I living out your God-ordained, created purpose. It's more than just missing out on Jesus, it, it, it comes close. Sometimes the crowd gets in the way. Now this crowd is gathered in this city, Jericho. Now the walls have been rebuilt from when Joshua and the boys walked around it, blew their trumpets, and it all fell down. It's been rebuilt. A tremendous city. Think of the walled city and the walls, will they encapsulate the essence of the city? It's filled with the fragrance of the, the roses from the great rose garden that blow down into the sea. It's a hub of industry. People come from this direction, north, east, west, south, to trade. We're getting the crowd. The crowd's coming in, the hustle, the bustle. Think of an energetic city where people are coming to make money, to create wealth, and people are there. In the middle of this, you have people who are going to celebrate the Passover. And that's Jesus. Well, Jesus is part of this crowd. And they're passing through Jericho to get to Jerusalem so they can celebrate the Passover. And on the way through, what would have happened would have been everybody in the city who wasn't up to anything or doing anything would have came out of their homes and they would have came and got the caravan of people who are on their way to the Passover. They would have stopped them and said, will you come and eat my house? We've got food prepared for you. We, we want to feed you while you're on your caravan, you're on your pilgrimage. This is part of our responsibility, part of our culture. Now there would have been a question in the air and the question would have been this, Jesus, who is this Jesus and where is he going to eat? Because if Jesus is Jesus and he is the Messiah and all of that stuff, well, Jesus can really just pick his house, can't he? He can just decide to eat anywhere. Eat in the most comfortable spot, the best food, whatever he wants to choose. Really, it was down to him. That matters because that's part of the story. And and as we unwrap this, this crowd, we also have to add in the fact that, well, just a few weeks ago, there was this guy, Lazarus. Now, Lazarus lived just up the road in Bethany. And and Lazarus had done what everybody does. He died. Nothing unusual there. That, unfortunately, happens. Now, what doesn't normally happen is that a man called Jesus turns up at his graveside after he's been dead for three days and speaks into the tomb and says, Lazarus, come out. And guess what happened? Lazarus in all of his grave clothes, gets up out of the tomb and walks out. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. Now that gets people talking. And all of a sudden, people are talking and they're like going, whoa, did you hear about that guy, Jesus? He raised the dead. Now, if it was me, this is before Netflix, 
This was before Amazon Prime. This was before anything. I would be out following Jesus to see if he's going to raise anybody else from the dead. That's what would have been happening. There would have been a crowd around Jesus following him. What's he going to do now? Now, I I heard about this. Do you think it's true? Do you think he really can? In fact, this guy Lazarus was really known in the community. He was dead. I was at his funeral. I saw him going under. And he's now like, like, in fact, there he is. And so you have this crowd of people following Jesus, and in the middle of it, you have a guy called Zacchaeus, who we're told can't see over the crowd. That doesn't mean much. Average height in those days, five foot three. So he could have been five foot two and snookered. You know, that's, that's the reality. Because the truth is that this story is not about the height of Zacchaeus. It's about the heart of Zacchaeus. The problem is in church, we like to focus on the character We like to remind people of what they were. But remember the key principle, the kingdom principle that Jesus is trying to get across through these stories is that the last will be first and the first will be last. And if we are truly people of the kingdom of God, that should be our mindset and our spirit, that we should be celebrating people who were once at the end of the queue and now they're at the front of the queue, not just reminding about the fact that they were once small and a tax collector, And have you ever heard this story? Isn't that it? That's how it goes. And what we'll do is we'll break down just how horrible a tax collector is and and just how awful he is. And then Jesus went to his house and all of those things. No. He met Jesus and from that moment his life transformed. That's the story. That Jesus took someone who was considered the back of the line and brought him to the front of the line. That Jesus took someone who was in this weird category called sinners and tax collectors. Like how how bad did you have to be to be a tax collector to be like sinners and then the tax collectors? That Jesus took someone in this category that really just formed because people in society and culture didn't want them as part of their group, didn't want them part of their organization, said you can't be here. So they formed their own grouping. And every day they're reminded they're not part of the community. Every day they're reminded they fall short. Every day they're reminded that they don't add up, that people don't like them, that people don't want to talk to them. Every single day. And I don't think scripture and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is asking us now to add to the everyday and just remind everybody just how bad they were. They knew how bad they were. They knew they were separated. They knew that people in the city didn't look well at them. They knew all of these things. Why do you think he was going to climb a tree to meet with Jesus? See, the, the, the first thing when I read this story that I really pick up on is the fact that Zacchaeus created an opportunity to encounter Jesus. I, I, I just love that. And I wonder if that's a challenge to us. See, do we position ourselves in a place where it's going to be likely that we're going to encounter Jesus? See, we're learning from Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus went out of his way to climb a tree in the spot where he thought Jesus was most likely to pass by so he could encounter him. Now, what does a tree look to you and I? What sort of space do you and I have to create and position ourselves in that we're most likely to encounter Jesus Christ? Because that's a challenge. 
What's the tree look like that we have to climb so that we can escape the hustle, the bustle, the busyness, the crowd? You know those voices that are always trying to speak into our past, trying to drag up our identity, trying to say we're only this and it's only that and who you, who do you think you are? You no, know, all of those accusing voices, all of the busy voices, all of the lists that are just gotta do, gotta do, gotta do, gotta do, gotta do, all of that stuff. Where is the space that we are creating with the greatest potential to encounter Jesus Christ? Because he's here. Even as we come to church, even as we join online, are we coming with an expectation of, I am creating a tree in the middle of the crowd to encounter Jesus Christ? That's my expectation. Who is this Jesus? I want to know him. Surely that's the cry of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It sounds so close, doesn't it, to Paul the Apostle who said, I just want to know him more. To position ourselves that we may encounter Jesus. See, some things are worth climbing trees for. (laughs) And when I see this image, it's an incredible thing because I have two daughters And what I realize is, yes, dads do climb trees, but they don't really do the kids climb trees, fathers stand and catch. And just think of the image. See, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a good father who sent his son to catch us. be there on the spot. Zacchaeus was doing something that Zacchaeus, I reckon, had done most of his life. I'm not reading in the scripture, it's just there. Zacchaeus thought about himself first. It's very clear. He put himself first, he put his objections first, he put his career first, he he, he put everything first. He was about getting a franchise, making as much money as he could and working his way up that franchise until he became the chief tax collector. We percent here, quarter percent there. Before you know it, wealthy guy. Put himself first. And in this moment, Sikes is putting himself first. He's not running with the crowd. He's saying, okay, well, that's where the crowd's going. How do I get to Jesus. And I would suggest to each one of us that that's how faith begins. What do you mean, Stephen? Is faith not about being selfless? Yeah, yeah, it is. And there's a time for every one of us to repay back what we've stolen from others, to make things right, to say, I'm really sorry I did that. Anybody ever had that walk of shame? I'm a Christian now and I know, no, I had to do it. I remember with a guy from school who I tortured and I can remember meeting him and going, I'm a Christian now. I've realized I was awful to you in school and I am so sorry. No, we've time for all of that. But it starts with a selfish moment where you put aside the crowd, you put aside the accusations, you put aside the voices, you put aside everybody else and you say, I am just going to meet with Jesus Christ. And it's in that real encounter that everything from that moment changes and it becomes about serving Jesus and serving people. 
but it starts with selfishness. It starts with an honest reality that I am going to find Jesus. And I do think in times in life, there are just little moments where we've got to revisit that. I'm just going to take time for me and God. I'm just going to take time out and increase the potential for actually encountering Jesus. I know the need to run there and I know I need to do this and I've got that assignment and I've got and life just goes on and on and on and on and on. But sometimes you just got to go, I just need space for me up a tree so I can encounter Jesus Christ. Because you'll become all the more better, loving, selfless follower of Jesus Christ because of it. Because that's the case. He chose to ignore the voice. He put himself before the voice of the crowd. The second thing I want to say is this. That I love the fact that Jesus lives up to his name. When I read this story, um, I love the fact that Jesus, which means saviour, rescuer, that he actually does what he says he'll do. No, it's, it's one of those things. Um, and I think in life, there's very few things live up to their name. You know, this will do this. I am this. And then when you actually strip it back, who knows? But Jesus lives up to his name. I don't know if you know, but Zacchaeus means innocent and pure. That worked out well. And when I read this, I can't help but say a mom holding this little baby Zacchaeus. Now, with all of the hope of the future, oh, look at him. Now, maybe he'll be six foot tall, just like his daddy. Now, maybe he'll, he'll go on to be a community leader in the, in the synagogue. Maybe, maybe he, he'll go on to be, no, he'll be a man of integrity. He'll be a, do you know, you, you can imagine it, can't you? And, and this mom going, do you know what? Zacchaeus. That'll suit you. No, I prophesy over you, child, that you will become innocent and pure. Turns out he didn't live up to his name. But Jesus does. And that's the important aspect of this story. Not that you live up to your name, but Jesus lives up to his name. Because he's the one that rescues. He's the one that saves. He's the one that comes to us and transforms us. He is the saviour of the world. And he lives up to his name. When I think of the name of Jesus, it, it comes from the root word, Yeshua, or Joshua. And this is how my head works. So I'm unpacking my thinking. Well, when I hear that, I go, Joshua. And then I go, Jericho. Ah. And then I think, Joshua, Jericho, Joshua, chapter one, two, three, Joshua, round the walls, blowing the trumpets and the walls come down. That's where my head goes. And then I start to think of this. This is not the first time in Jericho that somebody on the, who on the outside looked like they didn't deserve to be rescued by God was. And you see, the story goes like this, that Joshua sent a couple of spies into Jericho well, the Jericho army found out that there were spies were in the camp and they go to try and find the spies. And there's this woman called Rahab who lives in a, in a brothel. She's a harlot. 
And the two spies hide in her roof, uh, and she tells them, no, like, oh, they're not here, they're up the road. In other words, she's a harlot, she's a liar. And it turns out she ends up being the hero of the story. And when God's armies come in and invade the city and the walls come down, her house is left standing and she's rescued. And you're like, no way. And she goes on to actually fulfill the lineage of Jesus Christ. It's like, you couldn't write this stuff. And then here we are, Jesus in Jericho with a tax collector. <laughs> like surely, surely, like, it, it couldn't happen again. It's like only in Jericho. No, this is, this is a Netflix thing waiting to happen, isn't it? No, summer in Jericho. It's like, you know, following these lives, a harlot and now a tax collector. What we realize is that Jesus is God and that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. And he doesn't look on your outside and he doesn't look at your height and he doesn't look at your character. He doesn't look at any of those things. What he wants to know is in your heart, are you seeking him? And it turns out he responds to that by transforming your life. You see, everybody else was looking for Jesus with their eyes, but Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus with his head and with his heart. Who is this guy that raises the dead? Who is this guy who claims to be the Messiah? Who is this Jesus? And I'm so glad that Jesus still lives up to his name. That the harlot still becomes the hero. <laughs> that the taxman actually becomes the courageous applauded part of the story. Jesus told a story just before this. And I'll start to bring things to a close. And he told a story, uh, chapter before, um, about two men going to pray at the temple. And well, he talks about the Pharisee. Well, the Pharisee's going to pray at the temple. And we're told that the Pharisee, remember, Pharisees are held to esteem in their community. Pharisees are highly respected. Pharisees, oh, here comes the, the truly spiritual religious man. And what we're told in this story, Jesus says, the Pharisee comes to pray and goes, oh God, I am so sorry. Or, sorry, I'm so glad that I'm not like all of them. I'm so glad I'm not like you, Sharon. I'm so glad I'm not like, you know, the robbers. And he goes on and really he's just so glad he's not like those sinners. And then he says, I'm, heaven forbid, I'm so glad I'm not like a tax man. And then there's a second person coming to pray. It turns out he is a tax man. And Jesus says, well, the tax man comes to pray. And when he gets there, he's actually a little bit like humbled and doesn't want to actually enter into the temple because he's like, I know I am a sinner. And we're told that he cries out to God and says, God, would you have mercy on me? I am a sinner. And Jesus says, which one of those do you think went home right before God? And Jesus is actually applauding the heart of the tax man. And when it comes to Zacchaeus, 
we should be applauding his heart. Because what happened in that moment that he encountered Jesus Christ was that that mother who held him in her arms and said, you know, I, I just see in you someday you're going to be pure, you're going to be innocent, you're going to be all of those things before God. Guess what happened in those moments? That's what happened. He became everything that he was created to be. And that's what Jesus does. Father God looks at you and he looks at me and he sees in us this incredible potential. He sees in us so much of what we can become. He looks at us and goes, no, it's possible, Stephen. You can have this character. You can have this kind of heart. You can become this kind of person. It can really happen in your life. But it's over to you. And then we try to live our lives. We make our choices. We think we're better, smarter, all of those things. And then we reach a point where we realize you can have loads in your pockets but still have an empty hole in your heart. That you can have a, a great career but go home at night and sit in a room on your own. That you can have made choices in your life that you find yourself that you really don't have a friend that you would have chosen. And the Father all the while still sees what you can be. And that's why he sent Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus came to restore and to transform you into what the Father has already seen. Innocent and pure. There's this little phrase. Jesus came to the spot. And honestly, what an image. Now, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. There you go. <laughs> but Jesus came to the spot. It turns out that Jesus is always there if we want to find him. And I wrote down this phrase, on the spot salvation. Do you ever hear someone say, oh, I know about Jesus, I believe in Jesus and all, it's just not my time. You hear that, don't you? And honestly, it cracks me up, you know, I'm being honest. It just, it's one of those things and you might say, yeah, I know, yeah, I understand, it's not your time and all that stuff. I don't mean it. And I'm being, no, I, I, I don't actually say it. Because now is your time. Because Jesus has already got to the spot. He has done everything that needs to be done so he can look you in the eye and you can come to him with all authenticity and look him back in the face and go, you're right, Jesus, I didn't measure up to the mark and I am coming down from the tree and I'm going to take you by the hand and I'm going to let you follow, follow and lead me for the rest of my life. He is there. This is the moment. And Jesus is simply just saying to you, Come on. 
come on, I know, but it's not my time, Jesus. What are you going to do? Stay up a tree forever? Looking to try and figure out who Jesus is? You've figured it out. Come on. Now's your time. What, 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 do you, what do you mean, Jesus? Well, I'm standing here in front of all these people. There's plenty of people I could be talking to, but I'm talking to you. Why do you think I'm talking to you? Because I want you to know what it is to be transformed by me. I can speak to those guys, but I'm speaking to you. And when God is speaking to you, it's time for salvation. It's time to say, okay, Jesus, here I come. Zacchaeus jumps off the tree because he definitely jumped, didn't he? No. Like if Jesus is standing there saying, come on, out of all these people I could have gone to their house for dinner today, I'm going to yours, you'd be off that tree, wouldn't you? And I'd be walking like this, you know, yeah, me, he's coming to my house, he's coming to my house. The crowd starts muttering, um, which I love the fact that the word mutter or mutt means grunt. It just, it helps you understand the crowd, doesn't it? And, and they're like moaning and, and Zacchaeus is running. And Jesus is like, today, salvation has come to your house. Today, salvation can come to your house. Think about it. Jesus loves you. Jesus came to this earth to walk a life to show you. Jesus died on a cross for you. Jesus rose again from the dead for you. Jesus is standing at the spot and he's looking up to the tree and he sees everything about you. He knows where you mess up. He knows where you fail. He knows that you've done this, that, whatever. But do you know what? He still wants to go to your house for dinner. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask people to stand and I'm going to ask guys to come and we'll have a song in a moment and we'll worship together. But in this space, if you're joining us online or you're in person here, I want you to close your eyes and imagine that when Jesus looks at you, he looks at you with love. He's not contaminating you up that tree. He's, he's looking at you with love. When you look in his face, you're met with grace. Jesus doesn't care about the crowd. Jesus doesn't care about what they're saying or they're pointing a finger at you or accusing you of this. Jesus is over the crowd. And he invites you to start a journey and a relationship with him forever. And I guess it starts a bit like the text man in the first story. God have mercy on me. I know I've messed up. <laughs> Jesus, would you come? So I'm going to lead us all in a prayer today and... It's not some magic prayer, but it's just a simple prayer that helps 
get some words together in your mouth that say, okay, Jesus, I come. Maybe you'd like to pray these words. Jesus, I thank you that you have came to the spot to speak to me. like a child that falls off a branch into their father's arms I choose to fall into your arms and trust you to not only forgive me but to lead me in your way which leads to the fullest of life thank you Jesus for loving me even though you really do know me not like the crowd you really do know me Belfast.org. We say Kathy because Kathy's a real human being and we want you to know it's not just going to some random mailbox, it's going to a human being who will care about you. But let this be the day where you allow Jesus to take you by the hand and lead you for the rest of your life. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.